Barbecuing cooks food slowly and often incorporates sauces or marinades, infuses a smoky taste and makes food extra tender. Barbecuing began over a million years ago when human ancestors started cooking meat with fire. The word barbecuing comes from the indigenous Caribbean tribe called the Taino. A Spanish explorer recorded the tradition of grilling on a raised wooden grate in 1526, and the rest, as they say, is delicious history. I'm Hootie, and you're listening to Hootie the Foodie. He may be 12 years old, but he's an expert. You're listening to Hootie the Foodie, Season 2. Today we're going to talk about barbecue. My guest's childhood desire to expand the kosher meat options combined with a love of fire cooking gave rise to an Instagram account that led to a booming kosher barbecue business. Danny Goldblatt of Holy Smokes Kosher Barbecue. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so, for having me. Where are you from and how did you learn to cook? So I'm born and raised in California in Los Angeles, San Fernando Valley, and I didn't grow up cooking. People are shocked to hear I did not cook with my mom on the holidays. I didn't cook with my mom on Shabbat. I didn't really take an interest in cooking, just the eating parts. So when I moved out on my own in college, I had my own apartment. It started there just like survival of the fittest cooking, you know, uh, typical college style cooking. But over time, I got married at 21 and I just, you know, needed to cook more for both of us. I realized I could also have a little bit of fun with it and be like, why not recreate some recipes? It didn't really start with meat. I think the first thing that really got me into it was avocado egg rolls that I hadn't had a long time. They're from like Cheesecake Factory. So I found this like mock-up recipe online with the same kind of dipping sauce I was looking for. And it's like, oh, I can recreate stuff. I mean, I love egg rolls. So (laughs) yeah, like who doesn't, right? Exactly. What is the difference between barbecuing and grilling? Oh, that's a great question. A lot of people don't really understand the difference. Grilling is fast and hot, right? Mm -hmm. I think of grilling as your Sunday barbecue. You can throw wings on. You can still throw chicken on. You can throw burgers, hot dogs, sausages, but it's quick. Someone's not working for two, three, four, five, six, 14, 18 hours on the grill. Now, people can say barbecue, and I think that encompasses grilling, right? But when we're talking about barbecue, it also refers to low and slow. So when people are like, oh, is that a grill you got over there? I'm like, it's actually a smoker. It's a barbecue smoker, not a grill. And it's a really good gauge. If you look online or buy some thermometers, it'll be like uh, low and it'll be like barbecue, grilling, high heat. Like the thermometers themselves on the dials kind of show that. And people realize, oh, there is a little bit of a difference there. So I saw grilling is, you know, Mm. grilling I call hot and fast and barbecue uh, encompasses smoking, which is low and slow. That's really cool. Wait, what was the longest thing you've ever smoked? Brisket's definitely the longest. And the longest brisket, I mean, it's definitely been like 16, 17 hours simply because you have to get up really early. Like some of my first ever, we were working on a big smoker and I just had to get up early to prep. Now I have a system down where I start my smoke anywhere between 6 to 6.30 and I'm home anywhere between 8 and 9.30. It kind of depends on the meat and how loaded my smoker is. Sometimes meat just takes longer. Do you ever have to like, move it around like bake it or like take it out season it great question seasoning happens before it goes on um i do sometimes add sauces to certain things to glaze the last 15 20 30 minutes you want to be careful that it doesn't burn right the sauces a lot of times have sugar and yeah my whole all the brisket is rotated 
everything gets rotated a certain way at a certain time, at a certain temperature, nothing gets too crispy. I have a method if something does get a little too crispy, what to do to kind of recover. So movement definitely takes place during smoking as well as taking it out to wrap the meat, which goes rapidly brisket, which happens towards the end of the process. Oh, you want to hear a future dad joke? Oh, yeah. What is the difference between a grill and a dad? A grill might run out of gas. <laughs> Your food is kosher. What does that mean? Great question. Kosher means fit in Judaism. And a lot of times it applies to food, but it can also apply to other things. It could apply to things like a mezuzah, the parchment that Jews have on their door. Is it fit for ritual use or a Torah scroll? Is it fit for ritual use. In our case, is it fit for consumption? So all the meat is killed a certain way. The cattle and animals are killed a certain way. That's ethical. It's a very humane method that many ethicists actually talked about. Temple Guard, Dr. Temple Gardine is one of them, talks about that kashrut, the way of slaughter is a very, very ethical method. Meat is then salted three times an hour, I believe, then rinsed, hour then rinsed. And we're talking about like big chunks of the cow, not like your one ribeye salted and then tossed. And we're talking about massive pieces at once. And that draws the blood out. And then you're ready to roll and you've got some kosher meat. And because of that, there's also another layer of kosher supervision that makes sure every ingredient going in is kosher and that people know, like, it's not just me saying it's kosher. There's an organization like, hey, Holy Smokes is good to go. They fit the requirements for Jews to eat. I mean, you said there was like the small steaks that I cook and then there was like these big hunks of steak that they have to like salt and water. So I wish I could just buy that big one, like rotisserie or something and just eat that once. Like, oh, that'd be so good. Actually, my buddy who I started and learned barbecue with, his name is Matt Scientist Barbecue, Jeremy Yoder, and he's got a big YouTube channel. And for another guy's three millionth follower named Guga Foods, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, they yeah. did half a Wagyu cow in a smoker. You should watch the video. It's crazy. They show how they couldn't even cut the whole cow. It's a whole little mess. They did have to do it in like two parts because it was so heavy and big. But yeah, let's do it. Let's get like a whole goat, you and me. Let's put yeah. on spit a lamb. 100%. Let's just do it. 100%. Wait, what? Is there kosher Wagyu? A hundred percent there is. There's a dude in Dallas. It's under the Star K Glot Kosher. His name's Yehuda Istrin, and he owns a company called Holy Wagyu. Um, it is really incredible. Wagyu tastes different. It really, yeah. really tastes different. And it's uh, full blood American raised Wagyu. I've only heard stories. Well, we got to get you some. I'm going to make you a steak. How about that? Yeah, I'm looking for a Wagyu steak. Wagyu steak. What are your three favorite meat dishes? Like recipes, cuts of meat? Um, both. Honestly, one is something I don't make a lot. And it's something my mom made growing up. And I sometimes do make it, but I just don't get to it a lot. It's really simple. It's a French roast that you marinate in a Montreal seasoning, soy sauce, olive oil marinade. And I never marinate thick cuts of meat because marinade only will penetrate a quarter of an inch maximum. They did this with a test with dye and water, and you can see how much it absorbs. So if you're going to marinate a roast that's five inches thick, you're only going to flavor a quarter of an inch on the outside. Salt is the only thing that'll penetrate fully. So I dry brine a lot of my meats beforehand. Mm -hmm. The reason I would do a marinade in this case is because it works so well as a gravy that when you cook it in the pan with the juices, you have this incredible gravy after. So in that case, I do it. Otherwise, I really don't marinate thick cuts of meat. So I'd say that's my friend, my number one. Wow. Montreal marinade with French roast is just a classic. And I just have so many Shabbat memories of it from my mom. Oh, my mouth is watering right now. <laughs> All right, I'm coming over in 45 minutes with the Wagyu cattle. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> All right, uh, the whole, cow, be whole cow. 
Okay. Yeah, the grill will be ready. I'm ready. I think the second. Oh, not grill barbecue. Uh, oh yes, sorry, barbecue. Yes. Yeah, I try not to correct people because you know what? It's all good. Like honestly. People call barbecue barbecue when it's on a pellet grill or in like literally an electric smoker and you add like three wood chips and they're like it's smoked. And I'm like, beautiful, whatever you want to call it. It's all yeah. good as long as people are trying and there's some sort of wood flavor. I hate liquid smoke. I think it tastes bad and people call it smoked meat and it's not that I feel no. that's the only thing I'll, I'll really like this liquid smoke. I'm not a fan of. Wait, what type of temperatures are we talking? Great question. All the roasts, anything I really like is medium rare. That's my favorite. My husband likes medium. So I would say the biggest like fight, quote unquote, in our house is like the meat temperature. So, like, so how like hot? Great. So medium rare is like 130 to 135. Mm-hmm. And on my sous vide, when I have sous vide, which is like, uh, we can talk about that. I It's like 133. When I'm grilling, it's more of like you pull it off around 130 because it'll still rise a little bit. But again, I'll eat it if it's a little above medium rare because my husband, like, you know, I try and keep the peace in the house. Yeah. What do you look for in a good cut of meat? Great question. Good cut of meat. A lot of times I'm looking for marbling, that intramuscular fat, not the fat you see on the outside, but that fat you see within the meat itself. And we're not talking big chunks, but right, those marbled pieces. Um, There are times, though, that I'm looking for something leaner. One of my favorite steaks is an oyster steak, petite tender. I believe it's a terrace major muscle and it's a small piece of meat. And they call it mock filet mignon because it's the closest thing you really get to filet mignon on the front half of the cow. And that's usually leaner. Sometimes I see things that are super marbled like that. I'm like, that's not supposed to be super marbled. It's normally leaner. I'll take it. It looks beautiful. Like I'll still take it. So almost always I'm looking for the the marbling. Yeah, I want to like dark red, not like that light red. Yeah, I once had a cooking competition in camp, and they had this, like, really weird steak. It was called, like, an instant steak. Oh, my God. And I was like, what is this? That's how I feel, Hootie, when people talk about London broil. I got a London broil. I go, London broil is a method of cooking. It's hot and fast, like, like an instant steak. Like, you put it on quickly, it's done in an instant. Um, London broil is a method of cooking. So if someone ever buys a piece of London broil, it means do it hot and fast. Otherwise, it could be chewy and it might be very lean, which is why they call it that. So that's what I bet it was. Instant steak, like another name for London broil. What are the other two cuts of meat? I'd say the oyster steak. First is a French roast. I'll take French roast anyway, but that marinade's bomb. Oyster steak, because that's like the filet mignon. It's super lean, but it's so soft. You have to cook it to medium rare. My husband will even cook it at medium rare because he hates fat. So it's like oh. lean and he'll eat it there. So oyster steaks, number two. Number three has got to be short ribs. Oh, short ribs. You can do so much to it. I can cut them thin and do them like Korean style. You can smoke them low and slow. Cook it in, I mean, there's, it's such an amazing cut of meat. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Danny Goldblatt. We're back to Hootie the Foodie. Welcome back to Hootie the Foodie. I'm talking to Danny Goldblatt from Holy Smokes Grill. You have competed in barbecue competitions. What is that like? It's a lot of work. Um, it's a whole night's process. You don't get a lot of rest. A lot of them start right after Shabbos ends. So you start Saturday night, the second there's sundown, stars out. And you're you start turning stuff in at like 11, 12. So you're cooking a bunch of different things on one or two smokers. And it's like, it's crazy. 
it was fun. It was a great experience. And it's very different than how I cook. You're trying to impress the judges with like a one bite wonder. So people inject the brisket. Like I would never serve this to you, Hootie. I would serve this to like my worst enemy because after a slice of it, you'd feel sick to your stomach. Like, what did you give me? Cause it's so much flavor and yeah, like it's phosphates and, um, but what else? Like, and not just MSG, it's like all this other stuff that's loaded with, you know, junk, but it's meant for a one bite wonder. Yeah. So it's a very different way of cooking. It's definitely fun. But to me, like, I would love to compete in what they have in New York, like Brisket King, in this case, oh. hopefully Queen. Yeah. Um, but that's a real barbie competition in the sense that, like, you're looking for the best brisket, not competition style, which is that injection flavor one bite yeah. wonder. So do you stay up all night with it? With my brisket? Yeah. So because of my schedule and the work out of the butcher shop, I prefer not to be up all night. So I, we start the day very early. I wake up at 5.30 usually, and I'm home at like 9.30 the latest. So, and that's usually once a week. It's why I only offer a weekly takeout. I do this. I'm a one-person show. Um, I have a little bit of help, but it's a lot of work. I only have one smoker. If I had bigger smoker, I could do more, more often, but I'm working yeah. on ramping up. Yeah. Are there any barbecue hacks that you have discovered over time? I say less of a hack and more people getting over their ego and pride and getting a th- instant read thermometer. It's one of the most useful <laughs> tools. It's like, you won't mess up your steak. You won't mess up your burger. You won't mess up that chicken. How many times have you had dried chicken? As like, or chicken breast that's like oh. overcooked. You can pull it at the exact temperature and know it's safe. Like uh, get over it. People should really use them. I, I use it. I, there are certain things I'm really good on my eye with. I know when certain things are done, but when I want my chicken exactly right on the grill or, or and on the smoker too, I'm not, it's a thermometer. No shame. I've, I've had so much barbecues or like chicken or burgers that were just so dry in the inside. I like couldn't eat it. Yeah. It crumbles. It's not good. Yeah. What mistakes do people make when cooking meat? The biggest I see is using the wrong cuts of meat for the recipes they're using. Like you could use a French roast to turn it into something like a braised brisket. But in my opinion, that's such a waste of a beautiful piece of meat that's well marbled and great teeth for steak. Get a tougher piece of meat like that needs that braising time. Short ribs need that braising time. You could use shoulder minute roast and it's more economical. Listen, if you want a really elegant braised piece of meat, use French roast. But I see people using, and that's just one example, but I see people using wrong cuts for the wrong methods of cooking. And it just hurts. Kosher meat's so expensive. I'm like, let me help you. That's why I'm actually offering, I'm doing cooking classes and uh, demos. Really? Where? So I'm a, I'm a teacher by background, right? Like I love teaching. And so I was like, wait, so many people ask me questions. I developed a curriculum of kosher meat, how to identify it when butchers might call it different things at your butcher versus my butcher, how to cook these things, really basic to more complicated Q&A. It'll include tastings. So they're small in people's private classes in people's homes. Yeah, tastings. So let's say you and like 10 of your friends wanted a class. I could come over, do a class, cook in your grill, do a little demo. Oh, yeah. This sounds good. I realize there's like, I want to help people. It's not just to me about spreading the name. Like I I want people to enjoy their meat and know what they're doing more and enjoy their simchas more, their, their holidays, because it's, it's the worst when you have a bad piece of meat and you're sitting down at your holiday meal and you're like, this is delicious. And it's dry. And you're like, Oh, Oh, so bad. So bad. Do you make your own sauces? I do. I Mm. do. I make my own gochujang sauce, which is gochujang is, do you know what that is? No. 
It's fermented Korean miso paste. So miso is used for all sorts of things. This is a Korean version. It's spicy. It's salty. It's a little tiny bit sweet. And that's a real Korean. I use that on my Korean lamb riblets. Yeah, that was my first guess. Yeah, so I can use it on a lot of things. I recently, like literally a few days ago, finished up this Kansas City style sauce that's going on my burnt ends that like multiple people were like, and this is the sauce. Because I've gone through so many sauces. And then I also make a Carolina gold mustard sauce that goes great with lamb, veal. It goes quite great with anything, but typically veal because it goes you, with cold pork normally. Do you sell the sauces pork. like by themselves? I will be soon. That's one thing I'm hoping to scale up. I literally have 400 bottles sitting in my garage um, waiting to go. I mean, I bought them in bulk. I'm not so like, I'm going to sell 400 bottles next week. They just I mean, bought them in bulk. It's cheap. So I do like- hope to start selling sauces out of the store directly to consumers. If there's 400 steaks with those 400 bottles, I'm in. <laughs> you have a favorite store-bought kosher barbecue sauce? There's a few. You know, more and more are kosher. Charbecue is just one I've grown up with. I don't know where else people find it. I just grew up in the kosher butcher, but it's it's a bunch of places. I love charbecue. I also really like bone second sauce. And when I can find it, Rabbi BQ, uh, I think it's Rabbi BQ Mendel's <laughs> sauce. That's his name. He's a guy out of Texas, out of Florida. He's won some competitions. He's got a great like pomegranate molasses sauce. So those are three sauces that I really like. Bone sucking, charbecue, and rabbi barbecue. Do you like anything besides like BQ, like charbecue, rabbi barbecue, like anything else? Barbecue. You mean sauces? Yeah. No, I mean, I kind of just wing it. Sometimes I'll just kind of throw something together. Like, okay, I'll throw something together. And I realize like at first, I didn't realize other people did it. Yeah. I make an Alabama white sauce, which is tangy. It's white. It's delicious. It goes a lot of times on chicken. But literally, like some of these Texas places smoke their meat and then slather the sauce on. It's just delicious and wings. There are really great recipes online for that too. But the ones I would sell and the ones I focus on in general are the barbecue sauce and the mustard sauce. So you just wing it? Sometimes I just wing it like if I'm at home. But the recipes I have are like recipe recipes. Other times I just sometimes play around and be like, I have some chicken wings. Let's do a sauce. Yeah. What kind of wood do you use to cook meat? I use white oak, which is funny because I live a mile from White Oak huh. Street, the boulevard, huh. right, White Oak Avenue. Well, now we know where the trees disappeared too. Exactly. In my smoker. So White Oak, uh, there's a lot of different things that are native, right, to where you are. I'm not going to import and spend double the price on a wood that's not native here and that can be hard to get or it's very, very limited. So white oak is my favorite local wood. There's also red oak. I just prefer white oak. Do different woods create different flavors? Absolutely. Some people use hickory and mesquite, which are much, much stronger. I personally don't love those flavors. It's really overpowering for me. People like to use um, fruit woods. That's also really nice. It's very subtle. It's usually like the biggest difference you would say is like between hickory and mesquite and everything else. Most people won't be like, oh, this is cherry wood. Oh, this is apple wood. Your average consumer would be like, maybe it's a fruit wood. Maybe it's oak or or you're like, yeah. oh, it's definitely hickory or mesquite because it's so prominent and intense. You use different woods for different meats? No, I don't. The kind of smoking I do, it really just, oak is something that works on everything. So if I did want to add something, I would get some other wood and toss it in as like an additional flavor. But oak goes with everything and the kind of smoking I do, I'd have to keep different piles of wood. It's just not reasonable for me at this point in time. And maybe at some point I would if I ran multiple smokers, right? Like if I had a poultry smoker and a meat smoker, then I probably would tailor in my smoke a bit. Are there adventures in barbecue that you have yet to conquer? Oh, for sure. There's so much. I just started something called Yakitori. 
which is Japanese skewered chicken. Um, but you can also do beef and these chicken meatballs and all sorts of incredible things. Mm-hmm. And you dip it in this thing at the end called tare, which is it, like they're, it's not teriyaki, it's soy, sake. It's, it's delicious. There's authentic Korean barbecue. I've dabbled in a little bit and a couple things again with the gochujang. There's so many kosher ingredients that I can really do a lot. But yeah, so many cultures have cooked with fire. So there's definitely so much to explore and learn from. How did Holy Smoke start? Holy Smoke started for fun. I just wanted to document my cooking. I'd randomly be like, hey, anyone want me to make you like a smoked French roast, medium rare with a coffee rub? And I sold a couple things here and there. And then this guy, Jeremy, was looking to learn a little bit about kosher smoking because he had a client to cook for. And I reached out to him on this Facebook group because when he asked for help, because I'm like, hey, I'm a Jewish studies teacher. I love barbecue. I can teach you till the cows come home. No pun intended. So we like got together, him and his wife and me and my husband, and we met and talked and we started working together. And that's when we were like, oh, man, there could be something here. And was there? Yeah. Once we cooked for this person and a few other people, they were like, oh, man. And we sold 300 pounds of meat for Rosh Hashanah under a hexer. And then he moved back to Kentucky and he's not Jewish at all. It just was a, I should say, an interesting shidduch, an interesting match. And it worked really well. And oh, they're good friends. Your husband? Huh? He's your husband? No, no, I meant shidduch, like work shidduch. Oh, You're right. Shidduch normally use that. But like sometimes in business, you can be like, oh, it's a good match. It's a good business match. So what's on the menu? This week on the menu is back ribs, burnt ends, and my brand new Kansas City style sauce. Burnt ends are like, do you know what burnt ends are? Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, slathered in sauce, double it's smoked, caramelized with the sauce afterwards. Got brisket on the menu. Normally I add more proteins, but it depends what's going on. Sometimes I also have catering things going on. I need to save room on the smoker. So I also add chicken. I do lamb. I do pulled veal. I'm hoping to do like veal breast soon and maybe veal ribs. Anything Mm -hmm. and everything kosher I'll do. We're doing turkey for Thanksgiving, turkey parts. I'll do turkey breast. I brine it. It's I hate white meat, but I got to say, I'm pretty proud of my turkey breast. It's something I'll eat. Does the menu change weekly? Yeah, it does. The thing is almost, you'll always find brisket on the menu. Besides that, everything else is fair game. It could be chicken. It could be back ribs. It could be short ribs. It could be four different proteins. I try and keep four. It just depends, like I said, what's going on in the week. Do you ship or is it just local? For now, it's local. Hopefully, I will be shipping. I also make biltong. Um, half my family is South African, and biltong is air-dried beef jerky. So I've been making that for a while, and I have the capacity to really expand that. So hoping in the next month we'll be expanding that, also get that shipping. And I do hope to start test shipping by the end of 2022. So that's spring 2023, we could start shipping around the country. Danny, where can we find you online? You can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Holy Smokes Kosher BBQ. And on my website, holysmokeskosherbbq.com. Danny, thank you so much for joining me to talk about one of my favorite topics and for making kosher barbecue awesome. To my awesome audience, thanks for listening. I'd love it if you shared me with your family and friends. I'm Hootie, I'm Hungry, and you just listened to Hootie the Foodie. You've been listening to Hootie the Foodie. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, make sure to like, rate, and review in your podcast app and follow on Instagram at Hootie the Foodie. Till next time.